0: Hello and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Matt Cowell, who is the CEO of QuantHub, which is actually a leading data upskilling and assessment platform that helps companies create a data-literate workforce across the entire enterprise. Welcome to the show, Matt.
1: Yeah, thanks, Birgit. Good to be on the show.
0: Well, I happen to know you have a bachelor's in chemistry, a master's in chemical engineering, yet as I look at your business success, it seems you also have a black belt in applying Data analytics to make good decisions that deliver the results you're after. In fact, <laughs> I think you've been referred to as the data skills expert.
1: So let's go with green belt. Maybe I think green belt is maybe the appropriate one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I am not a data skills expert. So anyway, I happen to know that when you're a leader at the previous organization, you transformed the product and engineering division by taking it from a fledgling team with no process or organization to a highly empowered and productive team. And Then the results were, I think it was like 10 times revenue growth, then seven acquisitions, three very successful recapitalizations, and all that in less than 10 years. And then in addition, you led the team to deliver the first machine learning AI solution. So I know you're a data skills expert, but I can imagine that you have to be an expert also in leading people. So tell me a little bit about why do you think you've managed to succeed the way you have?
1: Well, I'm, you know, I've learned over the years, just like anyone, you learn a lot through failure. And so, I've had some things that have gone really well, and periods of leading teams where we've really flourished. But just like anyone, I've you know had periods where the team didn't flourish, and I've and I've learned a lot from that. And I would say. One of the big things that I've tuned a little bit, maybe in my leadership style over the years, is to what degree do I need to manage? So, maybe distinction from the word lead, but manage, and to what degree do I need to empower? And, you know, I think there's a balance there that I've learned maybe the hard way Um, over the years. I've teetered back and forth on from managing too much early in my career and then, you know, sort of teetered the other way and probably empowered a little bit too much. And because at the end of the day, as the leader, you are fully accountable for the results. And, you know, and so I found maybe a good balance between those two over the years. Or realizing that everyone on the team is different, the way you lead and manage people is contextual. You know, it depends on the people you have and they need to flourish. And so I just think over time with the experience, I've learned, you know, how to assess those situations and adapt my style maybe to the particular situation I'm in.
0: Yeah. And earlier on in your career, you worked at Accenture and, and as a consultant, I imagine you also had to learn the whole level of people skills. But what does data analytics have to do with your success? And you're now heading up a company that's all about upskilling the data analytics expertise, I guess, in companies. How much of that has played into your success? And it seems like you're really committed and, and passionate about making sure other companies know this as well. Why is that so important? How much does that played? Played into the success?
1: Well, I think in terms of it being important, I mean, we're, we're just surrounded by data in this day and age. You just can't get away from it. And it doesn't matter actually what role you're in and in the organization. There's just data all around you. And it's not just up to each and every one of us to see that data and recognize that data and be able to use it or interpret it or just you know understand a chart or that type of thing. That's what people typically think about when they think about the data around them, they think about charts. But you know most of us create data. And so even, you know, take a person that's in customer support or, or a person that's in recruiting, they're entering data into a CRM system or maybe a, a talent acquisition system. They're entering data in there about candidates or they're entering data in there about support cases. And so they're creating data that the organization will then use at some point in analysis. And if they don't realize their role in creating that data and in having that data be high quality and how that data may be used in the future, then they're just filling in default values. They're not paying attention. Attention to what they're putting in there. And then at some point, someone's going to do some analysis on, you know, maybe it's a software product and it's a support, um, they're looking at support tickets to figure out where most of their support issues come from, or they're looking at their recruiting processes and trying to figure out, you know, why is it taking so long to fill positions or where are their best hires coming from? Those analyses are dependent on the quality of the data. And that all starts with the person on the front line. It's not the analytics professional that's mm. governing that. It's actually the person on the front line. And so we're all, every single day, seeing data, using data to make better decisions, creating data, and. You know, that's, that's sort of the lifeblood of modern organizations, data is in every aspect of it. And so it's just not optional. I like to say, as you can't get away from it. It's like, and I'm dating myself, but in the 1990s, you know, all of a sudden we had to use computers to work. It was just not optional to go to work and not know how to use a computer. Well, that's kind of where we are with data. Now it's not optional to just go to work and not know how to use or understand data. And so that's why I'm passionate about it is that I'm passionate about people and, and you know, the modern workforce and seeing us continue to progress. And so it's a global problem. And I, I love the space. I love trying to help people learn.
0: Wow. Well, then you made a good point about the future of the workforce. And of course, I'm wondering how much will the data analytics and me becoming better at interacting with data have to do with building a high performance team?
1: Yeah, there are really great stats now actually on being a data-driven organization and some of the truly ROI, the really hard dollars um, that come from that. I mean, Click and Accenture did a study where market cap goes up by 3 to 5% on average between companies that aren't data-driven and companies that are data-driven. And so mm-hmm. when you're talking about market caps of, let's say five hundred million million, three three to 5% is not a small amount of money. Yeah. There's a lot of waste throughout organizations that come from not being data-driven. Most companies are investing in a lot of reporting tools. And so each one of us you know, sees this throughout our organizations where we're trying to democratize um, access to data and, and get everyone access to reporting tools. Well, so in the modern organization, about 75% of people have access to the tools, 21 One percent of the people know how to use them Mm. and so you can imagine how much money is being wasted there in just having access to a tool but not knowing how to use it you know it's incredible data-driven marketing is you get five x roi on every dollar spent in marketing just regular marketing that's not data-driven is only two x roi so they're just hard dollars here on being able to confidently leverage data in you know almost every aspect of the organization
0: Well, Matt, you also have applied that towards hiring the right people or or, so can you say a little bit more about that?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of organizations still use fairly manual hiring processes and rely on gut and face-to-face interviews. And, you know, we all know there's unconscious bias when you're actually looking at a person and talking to them. We all come into those situations with our own biases. And we have a much more objective hiring assessment platform and you know that truly measures skill. And so again, it's it's, it's using the right data um, to make decisions. And so it's a matter of, of taking the same things I was just saying of using data to make great decisions and applying that yeah. to the hiring process and make sure you're hiring people with the skills to do the job. It's, it's awfully expensive to hire people that don't have the skills to do the it job. It sure
0: is. In, in <laughs> fact, it can put entrepreneurs under, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. If, yeah. So you're an entrepreneur now yourself, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you, I'm curious, you know, when I, when again, I was reading up about you and when Roger, who's the VP, Global Head of Design at BP, said, Matt is one of the best leaders I have ever worked for. And then another guy said, Matt is one of the most intelligent and hardworking leaders I've ever had the pleasure to work with. And then uh, on top of that, your investor, Nick Ogertsov, and my friend who connected us, he also mentioned what a great person you are. And so I know you said earlier you you know, learned by making some mistakes, but what was a blind spot you had as a leader in terms of dealing with the people equation?
1: Well, I'm from a small town, first of my family to go to college. And so I try not to take myself very seriously. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's just, I guess maybe that's the way my parents are also. And I've learned that lesson from them. And I try to apply that in all of my interactions with people. I mean, I personally have a distaste for people that take themselves really seriously and that kind of drives um, egos. And so I just, I, maybe I rail against that personally and so just with my own kind of personality. And so where that then causes the blind spot though for me is because I, I think that way. Oftentimes, you know, you're the CEO and people look at you a certain way and they take what you say extremely seriously. And, and oftentimes they will take that to be a directive. And mm. I don't typically manage that way. I don't I don't like to lead the team that way. I like to have open freeform conversations with passionate people. And, you know, I think we hire smart, passionate people. And I think that's been a recipe for success for me for a long time. But the blind spot is that when I'm giving opinions, they're looked at differently than when other people are given opinions. When did you,
0: yeah. When did you discover that? Like, what was the aha moment where you realized you had a blind spot?
1: Well, I think, I mean, over time, as I became a leader of leaders and developed good candor and trusting relationships with them, you know, people then told me that over time that mm. team members of, of mine are off doing something to, because I brought it up and that was certainly never my intent. And so no. what I've realized over time is that, and this has been a while now, but I've certainly realized a blind spot was that people were doing things I because <laughs> I brought them up, but that wasn't my intent at all. And yeah. so number one, I, for a while, then I stopped having, this goes back to learning from mistakes. I stopped actually bringing up points because I didn't want that to happen. And Mm -hmm. then I realized that I wasn't being my best self. And so I sort of went back to, okay, well, this is who I am. I'm an out loud thinker. I'd like to talk to people about ideas and ideate and that type of thing. And so I just need to be clear at the end of those conversations that this is not I do not want you to do anything from this. You need to work this through the process like anything else to make sure that this fits with our priorities. But I also want to be in those conversations. I want to help people think outside the box. I want to expand their minds and because I'm coming into it a little bit outside of the details. So I see it from a different perspective and I think there's value in that. And it's a matter of making sure people are realizing that I'm not giving them directives in yeah. a conversation like that.
0: Wow. Well, what a valuable lesson to share because you're right. People don't realize that when a boss says something, it a lot of times gets tri- translated as a i have to do this yeah. rather than it an idea things yeah, yeah it, it can sure derail does. things Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that and and also sharing why you're so passionate and what you see in the future in terms of the importance of data skills. So as we start to wrap up the show, a lot of people have been through crisis in the last year, and I'm sure there will be other crises coming up. Any last minute tips you want to say for leaders who might be facing a crisis or, or maybe you would even say you will have a crisis if your workforce doesn't have data skills? I don't know. You tell me.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I've realized, and, and again, learned the the hard way to a degree is that I should never get away from being myself. And one of the things that I've, you know, I was mentioning earlier, I sort of teeter back and forth between certain aspects of, of just kind of leadership style. And I suspect most people do this. Well, I actually think people should do this to a degree, they should listen, they should learn, you know, we can all listen and learn from things that are happening around us and, and grow in our careers. Um, but at the end of the day, it's important to be true to who we are. And I just I I'm in this position for a reason and and so I must I must have some value that I'm bringing uniquely to me and so I should trust that and trust my instincts which isn't isn't to say that I shouldn't learn and adapt but at the end of the day you know if I'm going to succeed or fail I should know that I I can be comfortable knowing that I did that being the best version of myself and being, you know, true to myself and leveraging the things that I think I can bring to the table. And so I think through crises that, you know, that's the most important part is if you need to use your instinct, um, hopefully that instinct is um, based on data you've seen and, and experience you've gained. And then, you know, don't be afraid to use that instinct and and then also be confident. People need to see a positive, confident, confident leader. And when we're going through times like this and feel like, we're going to come out on the other side and we're going to come out in a, in a positive way. And if you never lose that faith, then the, then the team will follow.
0: I like how you combined use instinct based on data.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Well, I think you don't want to be paralyzed by having to have data for every single thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So use your instinct, but have that be informed Mm -hmm. by the data that you have in front of you and the data that you've seen in the past and the experience you've gained. And I think that's the best way to make decisions.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to to share your leadership experience. And if people want to know more about QuantHub, they can go to quanthub.com. Yes, of course. uh, and I actually went to your website and I tested the data upskilling platform and I loved that it was actually fun. So I <laughs> yeah. appreciate who knew, you who knew that
1: learning could be fun, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Matt, thanks again for being on the show and making it fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.